Seventh Avenue Pizza, the official pizza of the Soda Pod. The Soda Pod, the official beer and hockey podcast of Seventh Avenue Pizza. From the land of sky blue waters, welcome to the Soda Pod. Isha Jeromey here, and I thank you for joining us wherever and whenever you are listening. The Hoppy Hour is back, ladies and gentlemen. That is right. First segment of the show, Hoppy Hour. I'm going to try to do this weekly. It's going to be a regular segment again, I promise. It's going to be a regular segment again. Whether it's consistently weekly or two, three times a month, the Hoppy Hour segment is back here, ladies and gentlemen. So we will jump to that in a moment for a better experience of the Hoppy Hour as it's a vlog. If you're on the podcast side, the audio is going to come through well as I explain everything and everything of our fun little three brewery excursion. But if you want the full visual and better experience, go check us out on YouTube as this episode of Soda Pod is going to be on YouTube. You guys are loving the full video Soda Pod episode, so we're going to continue to post them on YouTube. So hoppy hour segment, and then we're bringing on our friend Seth Topol, host of Locked On Wild. He's going to join us for, I think it was like 50 plus minutes of nonstop wild talk. As the Wild prepare for a playoff push? Absolutely insane. I have mixed feelings. You'll hear all that and more in the interview. Before we jump over to the hoppy hour in our interview, though, just want to give a big shout out to our friends at 7th Avenue Pizza. Guys, 7th Avenue Pizza just the other week, just last week, had $3 off at High V. They have sales all the time at Kowalski. Holiday stations, you can buy three, get one free. 7th Avenue Pizza, go get you some today. Also, I want to give a big shout out to our friends at Northland Vodka before heading out on the brewery run yesterday as it was... It was a fun Sunday, let's just say that. You know I was pouring myself a little Northland vodka. A little Northland vodka in my orange juice as the breweries opened their doors early Sunday afternoon. Before we caught the Uber out there, we started off the day with a little Northland vodka and it was incredible. The best vodka in the world. And it comes from the state of hockey, ladies and gentlemen. Small percentage of each sale go back into the community and go towards local hockey as well. So there you go. If that's not incentive enough to support this awesome local brand in Northland Vodka, the product is amazing. Go support them here today. Just like with 7th Avenue Pizza, if your local bar or liquor store doesn't carry Northland Vodka, ask them why. And let's get them on more shelves today. All right. On the other side, the hoppy hour back here on the Soda Pod. First, I'd like to propose a toast to UMD goaltender Alex Stalock. To Stalock! To Stalock! I love that stuff. Been drinking it for years. You know, I, I heard they recently decided to add more hops to it. You're all hopped out? So today my roommate Joe and I hit up a few breweries in North Loop, downtown Minneapolis. The Blue Jays. We started off with a personal favorite of mine. Wake up, take 
Inbound Brewing. Inbound Brewing Company has a 12,000 square foot tap room, a converted recycling facility. The vibes are immaculate. We had the barista, a golden coffee ale, peanut butter milk stout, the aviator, a hazy pale ale. Radio edit, I think it's one of the West Coast things. Super good. Fruit of the Loop. West Coast IPA and the MN Rice, a Minnesota Rice Porter. Okay, this is the Minnesota Rice Porter. I honestly thought this would be a little bit lighter, but I mean, it is a porter, so it's dark. So let's try it. That's actually really good. It's super light here. I'm really sure it's good. Only because it's you, we should. This it, is Scott. I would not be drunk. It's not your typical porter. I don't love it. <laughs> I don't hate it. I have not come here for one of their events yet, but I will surely make an effort to do so in the summer. If heaven was on earth, and on earth heaven was in North Loop, Minneapolis, it would be Bricksworth. Their first location located in Burnsville, Bricksworth Brewing Co. is an amazing brew pub that excels in their chicken wings and Detroit-style pizza. I have never had a beer I did not like at Bricksworth. At either location, we got a flight of Five Goes West, a West Coast IPA, Slime Truck, a New England IPA, Ask Jeeves, another New England IPA, and Sticky Green and Bad Traffic, a West Coast Pilsner. Love how they incorporate the chalk art on the beer signs, kind of like our friends at Back Channel Brewing. You also know I had to try that chocolate milk peanut butter porter. Oh my goodness, it was amazing. Pretty cool spot. <laughs> but to get to the bathroom, okay? So it's downtown Minneapolis, North Loop. And it's in like apartment and other office complex. So to get to the bathroom, you literally have to walk like almost a mile. funny guys from Florida who literally flew up to Minneapolis who were sitting next to us. <laughs> they were tripping because of this trek as well. <sighs> We've made it. I love this spot. Best Detroit style pizza in the city and in my top three wing spots in the Twin Cities. I want to like this brewery as much as those who are here. I mean, look at this place. It's packed, but I don't I never did, and unfortunately, I still don't. Now, I do not mean to rip on this place, and that place is Modest Brewing. The beers are good in the upper tier of breweries, as voted by you, but for me, nothing has ever stood out. Nothing has ever brought me back in the door in particular, and I never go back wanting to try their new barrel age. Oh, and they really didn't want me to get a flight. After the server passive-aggressively hinting at not wanting me to try multiple beers, I proceeded to then order a flight, and this is what I drank. Another day of day of another dream, a West Coast IPA, Pleasant Premonitions, a double red IPA, and Dream Yard, a New England IPA. Okay, this is something new. This is a double red India Pale Ale coming in at 8%. Not something I usually try, so we're at Modest Brewing. We're gonna dive into this one. Nope. 
for me. Smile. Fletcher. Hi. Oh my god, hi. <laughs> hi, buddy. Alright guys, as expected, inbound Bricksworth, they're my two favorites out of the little excursion that we did. Modest is a cool little joint here as you can see. Cool tap room. Honestly, the most buzzing brewery as far as people being here. I don't know. Bricksworth, the food, the pizza, food is pizza. The chicken wings, the pizza, the beer were amazing. Inbound, I've always loved everything. Modest was fine. Modest was fine. We're going to pick up a four pack for the road and uh, we'll see you guys on the next one. <laughs> Maybe I'm salty. As the clock hit 6.01 p.m., then they also couldn't sell me a beer to bring home due to Sunday Minnesota liquor law. Sad. Sad vibes all around. Like and subscribe for more Hoppy Hour vlogs and podcast segments like this. Hope you guys liked that. Again, if you're listening to the podcast here, go check out that segment on YouTube. I will post it individually, both on my personal channel and on the SodaPod YouTube channel. So you can just watch that. I think it was like a six to seven minute vlog there. Let's now turn the page. Let's now talk some wild with host of Locked On Wild, Seth Topol here on the other side. And this interview is brought to you by our friends at Better Edge. That's right. Go ahead to betteredge.com slash SOTAPOD today as it is a legal betting app in Minnesota. I repeat, legal betting app in Minnesota along with 44 other states. And by going to betteredge.com slash SodaPod, you will get a $20 sign-up bonus, ladies and gentlemen, to play around with. We have Game Day Pick'ems. That's right, the SodaPod hosts Game Day Pick'ems, where you can choose up to seven picks, money line, player point totals, etc. Winner take all $5 entry. You already got some to play around with if you sign up by going to betteredge.com slash SodaPod. Free platform with legal betting in the great state of Minnesota, as well as 44 other states. Again, go to betteredge.com slash SodaPod and claim your $20 sign-up bonus today. I will be starting to host events and UFC fight event pickums as well still a working title so stay tuned for that those who listen to the soda pod and also check out the fight content that i host on the city life project betteredge.com slash soda pod go check it out today now let's bring in seth topol and talk nothing but wild hockey we have a longtime sports broadcaster, friend of the show, longtime friend of the show, and host of Locked on Wild on YouTube and on the podcast side of things, covering all things Minnesota Wild, my friend Seth Topol. How's it going, buddy? Isha, what's happening, man? We're just, uh, we're just we're vibing, vibing out. Bro. We're yeah. vibing. <laughs> having a good time. I was just going to say, we were having some great conversations before I clicked record here. And I was like, I'm just going to click record here because if not, we're going to be talking all night here. Uh, what are you sipping on, man? What are you sipping on? Because neither of us are sipping on beer. On, for, for, for a beer-based podcast, neither of us are sipping on any beers right now. I, you know, I had, um, I've developed kind of a long-standing ritual um, to where I will get like a bottle of wine on a Friday night. Just kind of unwind. I like it. Be video games or or movies um i recently and wines baby yeah, we're going back to the uh back to the roots um, <laughs> so i've been doing that for a long time but this weekend i was like you know i i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna go in a little bit of a different direction so i grabbed some trulies and i'm sipping on a watermelon right now 
Oh, what I'm alone. I like it. I like it. Um, my roommate picked up. So, so there's that simply lemonade. Now, I know it's not Newman's lemonade. So, like on again, the hockey, the hockey fans are just rolling their eyes at me right now. No beer, no Newman's lemonade. What is this? But he got like the simply spiked lemonades. Which are honestly pretty good. There's a blueberry lemonade, a watermelon lemonade, and a strawberry lemonade. Strawberry, though, it's good. It's a little too sweet for me. This is just the straight up lemonade version, five percent. I mean, this is something you could just down on the on the boat in the summer, like on the lake. Like it's it's too dangerous. It's too dangerous. Like the fact that there's alcohol in this is is kind of fucked up, to be perfectly honest. Vodka lemonades. If we're putting together like a ranking of, this is better than Mike's, by the way. Oh. Vodka lemonades are sneaky. Like if you're putting together like your your heavy hitters of the drink worlds, um, you know, you've you've got your rum and coke. Vodka lemonades are extremely underrated. Like they're just they're just massive hits. Well, I also think because it's a little bit sour, it keeps you wanting to drink more because yes. you keep wanting to quench the thirst. And then the next thing you know, you're like four of them in and you're like, whoa, dude. Like, I was I streaming the other down. night. I drank, I drank two in a row streaming fights. And for the first time ever, someone asked me, and like, I don't drink often on streams or anything. But one she was like, are you okay? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you just seem a little weird. And I was like, oh, I, I, I blame whatever these Simply uh, Lemonades are. I, <laughs> I, I blame these Simply Lemonades. But no, I did just come home. I, was, I told Seth I was running errands and I was running errands today, but I also took my roommate out for lunch and while we we went to um while we were out for lunch we stopped at modest brewing in downtown minneapolis again everybody loves modest brewing and and though i don't think any of their beers are bad i've never i've never had one where i've been like wow you know I, i'm coming back here for that beer it's like okay like i understand why this is a good craft brewery and why people come here so yeah, I don't know. I'm still not sold on Modest being like in the top five or, or oh man, I can't believe I'm going to say this, or even in people's top tens. But I did go to Bricksworth, which um, is an extension, basically a black stack, unbelievable Chicago style pizza and some of the best wings in Minnesota. Unbelievable chicken wings. We got the chicken Parmesan and the Doritos Cool Ranch coated um wings and they were unbelievable and they have some of the best beers in minnesota seth like unbelievable beers unbelievable food unbelievable vibes and uh, then we also hit inbound before that as well for a quick flight of just the regulars from inbound which was a sweet which is a sweet spot there will be a segment in this podcast you probably already heard it as i edit it in where i talk about my day and if you want to see the full vlog check it out on youtube big shout out to everyone uh who supports us on youtube we just hit a thousand subscribers so big shout out to everyone who supports us there. Big things uh, to come. By the way, before uh, we get into wild talk here, Seth has an awesome YouTube channel. Just quickly, uh, I will give you a chance at the end of the show to put, to plug uh, everything that you do on the podcast side and stuff. But how are you enjoying the YouTube side of things? Because I know like you're very much a locked on podcast. You're very much a podcaster. That's how we first connected was through the podcast world. But you are very much a YouTuber now. And just you know, to pull back the curtain a bit, when we were talking before recording here, we were getting into just like the trials, the tribulations, and just like the grind of growing a YouTube channel and staying active on YouTube and the whole nine yards there. So how are you enjoying also being a YouTuber? Because I see you live streaming. I see you live streaming. We're, uh, we're having a good time out there. But Isha, you and I are in the same kind of vein from a content perspective is as things grow um the sports world it just 
immediacy is the way to do it. Yep. Like immediacy is what fans want from a content perspective. They want to be able to get immediate reaction when a player gets injured. Great example this weekend when Jewel Erickson got hurt, hurts at the end of the Seattle Kraken game. Everybody wants to know what's going on there because that's a big deal. And so, you know, being able to being able to hop in and say, John Hines said after the game, Jewel Erickson is going to be fine. And just give people that immediate like exhale of, okay, thank God the season's not the season hasn't collapsed. Um again. You just yeah, for the <laughs> fifth time this season. Um you just people just want to be able to go to voices they trust voices they enjoy listening to, shows they enjoy listening to, and to be able to get the reaction from those hosts or hosts about key topics. And, you know, that that has been, I think, one of the big challenges in in being the host for Locked on Wild is it's a daily show. So you got to be able to come up with uh, content that uh, that keeps people kind of on the on the edge of their seat new topics, new everything else, but then to be able to be there when big news breaks, because if you're not there, someone else will go to somebody else. Yep. hundred percent. Yeah, man, it's, it's been crazy, especially me doing work in hockey and in the combat sports world right now. I've been kind of like, you know, splitting my time in, in two. And I just know with how, up and down this wild season has been with all the news, you know, coming left, right and center. I can say like as a content creator in this space, like I'm just so happy that I have like Hoppy and Z to cover most of like the immediate news because, you know, every weekend, like my, my attention is towards combat sports. It's the weekdays that my attention is towards hockey. And it's just really cool to see that you were so plugged in and that you have this tremendous fan base and that you are first and immediately covering the stories at hand. So I'm just so happy to see, uh, to see your success, man. Because for those who don't know, like S- Seth and the Soda Pod go way back. Like, like you said, the, the way way back. The, the lines and wines day, wines and lines, baby. Let's go. <laughs> Which I still think is the most epic name in the world. But anyways. I'll never forget when when we put that together as the name. People asking, "Wait, you guys don't do cocaine on the show, do you?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Lines as in hockey lines." my guy no we do not oh my goodness <laughs> i remember too because the first episode i think we had you guys on i spilt beer all over my laptop and i couldn't believe that my laptop didn't actually like explode i uh i had a casualty count with uh with a, a work laptop um Ooh. yeah that's uh so then you you accidentally dump wine on the laptop and you're like well i need to make it look like this is not wine then you put a little water on it. <laughs> Dilute it a little bit. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. It's planting evidence at a crime scene. And then you dump it in the bag of rice. Then you're Go like, back to yeah. work the next day. Oh, it's good. It's good. I just I just coated it with some Windex and some paper towel. I just didn't wipe it up enough after. We're good. You're like, hey, I accidentally spilled a glass of water on this laptop. Can you do something about it? And they're like, yeah, oh, sure, no goodness. problem. I'm like, oh, thank you. Oh my goodness. All right, let's get into some wild talk, guys. Uh, wild sit fifth in the central, Seth. 28 wins, 24 losses, above 500. I mean, oh my goodness. Finally, finally. A month ago, 
we were hoping for this team to tank. And I say we because this was literally like 85, 90% of Wild Twitter, the Minnesota Wild fan base that I saw on social media, which isn't the voice of every Wild fan. I do understand that. But it's a majority voice. It's, it's a sample size that we can draw from. And everyone was hoping that this team will tank. Now, people in, in textbook sports fan fashion, I'm not even just like, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not dumbing this down to just Minnesota Wild fans here or just hockey fans. In typical sports fan fashion, people are now hoping for a playoff berth and playoff success. Do you think, Seth, that this team makes the playoffs? And, and if they do... Are they are they gonna make any noise at all? See, this is this is tough because this is something that I have consistently been on the side of like just accept that this is kind of a lost season. But I the Western Conference has been, especially in those those underbelly wildcard spots, it's it's right there like it's right there for the taking you're not going to catch any of the top three in either division but these wild card teams it seems like somebody get, gets a little bit of of a lead and then they go in the tank los angeles kings are starting to kind of play a little better but they were in absolute free fall for a while st louis is on a winning streak right now but they're a very mediocre team how, how the Flames are even in it is beyond me, to yeah. be perfectly honest. Every, it's crazy that they're still in it. Every single person had written the Calgary Flames off like three weeks ago, and they're still here. Dude, I thought you were going to say three months ago, because you would be accurate if you said that. Too. Also, also that. <laughs> like There were people before the season who were like, I don't know what this Flames team is going to be. Probably not any good. Bro, after the first month, I was like, oh, yeah, nope. <laughs> They're yeah. in fucking free fall and rebuild mode. But it like it just speaks to, I think, the fact that a playoff spot is very attainable. But here's like here are the things that you kind of have to to look at for the Minnesota Wild. It, 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 there have been a lot of inconsistencies this season. They have found a line combination that Kaprizov, Boldy, Erickson, Ekline that's capable of winning games, which you need in the regular season. But there are some things that have to that would have to be shored up for sure if you're going into a playoff. Uh, if you're going into a playoff series, I guess the silver lining would be that you would be playing likely Vancouver instead of Winnipeg, Dallas, or Colorado of which the Wild have precisely zero wins against those three teams this season. You want to see more of those Vancouver uh, games that we just saw? Oh my God, we might all have heart attacks, my friend. <laughs> yeah, the Wild, uh, the Wild lost in seven games. They scored on average 11 goals per game, but they gave up 15. That would be, that would be chaos. But I think like we are so starved for postseason success with this team. That any time the opportunity to break that it presents itself, people are like, yeah, why not? Um, uh, Minnesota Twins, good example of that. They were an incredibly mid-team all season. They win the Central Division with like 84 wins. Some low number like that. They won a postseason series. They beat the, uh, they beat the Toronto Blue Jays in the postseason because they got some key pitching performances and some timely hitting i'm just can i just say i that made me so happy oh so that series happy. was amazing 
Dude, I, I and, and I know like Seth, you're a baseball guy. I'm not a big baseball guy, but I will say I hate the Blue Jays so much <laughs> that there was, it, it didn't matter what sport it was, to be honest. The fact that Minnesota was beating them and beat them, I was so happy. I was sitting at a Raising Canes with Hoppy when it happened. We looked up at the screen and I told him, I don't care about this sport, but I might cry right now. I'm so happy for the twins. <laughs> it was the it was the best. But I think I think that's where people draw a lot of inspiration is the twins didn't have the best regular season. There were a bunch of points during the year where you're like, oh my God, that can you just can you just have the season be done? Like this isn't even enjoyable to watch, but they got yeah. themselves, they got a spot. And that's that's I think what a lot of wild fans are hoping for at this point is that you get in and you have the opportunity to just kind of shock the world. We know all of the limitations. We know all the things that have gone wrong this season. But the fact of the matter is that the Wild are 7-1-1 one, and one in their last nine games. And at a time in which they absolutely needed to start racking up some wins, they have. And so somebody like me who has been pretty staunch critic of this team all season, you get to the point where you have to even acknowledge, like you have to, like in last night's game against the Kraken. You got to give them their flowers. They dominated. I, I could not. Th there was really nothing that I even looked to nitpick in that win. They they made it comfortable. They took control of that game. And it didn't look like a team playing on a back-to-back, -back, which I think was the best part. Like they took the fight to the Kraken. And so you pick up two key wins on the West Coast. They're two points out right now. Like at this point, at this point, you are invested into making a push for the postseason, whether people think they have a legitimate chance to make it or not. You're invested. And so at this point, it's full steam ahead for this wild team. We just hope that some of those things that have been issues all season don't come crawling back at the uh, the worst time like what what would happen and i hate to even bring this into the conversation but what would happen if you have a critical injury at this point in the season like it's just it, it is at this point where they have like no margin for error down the the stretch the rest of the season well a couple things there and we'll We'll dive into just the whole injury narrative and how it affected this season and how it may be the whole reason the season played out the way it did. But you talked about one of the two losses in that last uh, positive stretch overall for the Wild. And one of those was the Winnipeg Jets who beat the Wild 6-3. to three. I personally was looking forward to this game as based on their last few matchups this season. I, a, I think a rivalry was formed this year. Now, though I think the the Jets and the Wild, they would go kind of head-to-head. The fan bases on social media would go at each other, and they were competitive games in the past. I feel like this season, like I think a little divisional rivalry was finally formed. And the Wild don't really have a single rival. Like Some people say it's the Avs. Some people say it's Chicago. Our grandpas still say it's the Vancouver Canucks. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Our parents still say it's the Vancouver Canucks because <laughs> of the one West Wall still says it's the Vancouver Canucks, right? Um, but uh, no, it seems this year that it, it kind of was solidified to know Winnipeg and Minnesota, they don't like each other. I was looking forward to the game. I still thought it was competitive overall despite the loss. What were your thoughts on that game? And were you excited in the lead up, kind of like 
we are excited to see those Battle of Alberta games, especially when Kachuk was with uh, Calgary, and there was just like a little some extra to it. Oh, absolutely. Um, I here's perfect analogy, I think, for what you're talking about about the the rivalry with the Jets. If you're in a dark alley and you're fighting a bunch of people, you don't necessarily remember that one person got a couple of of torso shots in in the Dallas Stars. You remember who hit you last. Right. And that's I think why this rivalry has been born with this Winnipeg Jets team is these teams do not like each other. Ryan Hartman and Cole Perfetti a perfect example of that, but Brendan Dillon on Kirill Kaprizov kind of getting that started and this goes back all the way to Logan Stanley. And baby giraffe on skates uh, and that awkward fall with Kirill Kaprizov. Like, that's what kind of started this whole thing. And you had that epic moment between Rick Bonus and Dean Evison at the end of, uh, of last season, where Bonus does the, uh, <laughs> you're a short, you're a real sh- a short man. And Dean's like, come on over. We've, uh, we've got plenty of fists to go around. Like, I don't just have to punch assistant coaches. I can, uh, I can throw a few swings in. So it's become it's become like a a bad blood kind of a a rivalry this year which is just great. And yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Like that matchup against the Jets, it was one of those okay, let's let's see what the Wild have because they had won a, a handful of games in a row. And this is kind of another thing Isha that's happened this season quite a bit is you get three or four games in a row and then you get one of those show me games yep. where it's like, okay, here's the central division opponent. Here's a Western conference opponent. Let's go get one against those guys. And it just, there have been instances where they have, but there have also been a bunch of instances where they just have not been able to, uh, have not been able to get that kind of signature win. And a lot of the games, the big problem I think is a lot of the games have been rather lopsided. All the Dallas games, all of the uh, the the loss against Arizona six nothing. That game looks pretty bad right now, um, especially with how bad Arizona is now versus how they were okay in the beginning of the season. Yeah, they were they were frisky. They were possibly frisky in the uh, the playoff conversation, but they have just they have completely fallen off the oh, face yeah. of the earth to the point where their GMs like we're open for business. Like we. We can't do it anymore. To the point where they're just trolling Gary going, we don't even need to give you to make our <laughs> deadlines on when we need to, you know, tell you anything about our rink. We're good, bro. We're good. Yeah. We're just going to focus on selling players on the field as opposed to, uh, supposed you know, to find in that arena. But sorry, sorry. Do you know, I was talking, cause I was talking to our boy, Richie Flores last week on the soda pod. Um, he used to, or he still kind of does a podcast for the Arizona Coyotes, but he used to cover them quite closely. You know, it's 180 bucks to get in the door at the mullet arena. To get in the door, dude, at a college ring, and it's like 20 or 30 to go watch an ASU game. Well, I don't like that. Insane. So he's like, yeah, I've actually gone to ASU games this year. I've never gone to an Arizona Coyotes game at the Mullet Arena yet, because he's like, why? I'll spend 30 bucks and go see ASU play there. I get you have limited capacity for seats, but yeah, but that's your fucking fault, Arizona. That's their it's exactly. That's their doing. It's not the fans' fault. They're oh. still. I mean, there's like the ones who are in the area are coming to support you. It's not. It's not their fault that you've continued to fuck them around so much so they don't have confidence in his team. And and my boy Richie, like he even said on the podcast, like, look, I'm a loyal fan. I've been a loyal fan my whole life. Like I'm one of those in Arizona who is a hockey fan first. 
And right now it's so hard for me to buy into a team that I don't even know what the fuck's going on. Like, why am I going to give them my money, my time, my heart, my passion when in six months they could be in Kansas City, fucking Quebec, fucking yeah. Houston? We don't know, right? Yeah, it's it's hard. I, I, I don't envy any of them having to try to to sift through what's all going on because it just it seems like there are so many indications like that they're going to be moving. And the NHL just continues to try to throw them lifelines. Now, may these some of these comments recently seem like it's trending in a different direction finally. But think about the number of times that the NHL has tried to keep this a thing when it just seems like the writing's on the wall that they're going to be best suited to go somewhere else. Dude, I remember in 2013 when the Winnipeg Jets lost a playoff series to the Anaheim Ducks, there was a news article that came out. Because I, I remember I mean, why I bring up that playoff series because it was right after that that playoff series ended. And I remember I was I was doing, I think, like practicum work for uh, for some class in university up in northern BC. So other than working in school, I was just tuned into just hockey shit. And I so I was like at my desk or something studying. And I remember I saw the news article that was um, titled Trucks are idling Arizona moving to Seattle. So this has been the storyline. And obviously that didn't happen. Seattle was yeah. an expansion team, et cetera. But this has been a storyline since even before and, and even in 2013. So like, it's just crazy what's going on there. It's just crazy what's going on there. But anyways, back to Minnesota Wild here. Um, can the Wild's up and down season be attributed to just injuries, Seth? Or do you think is, there's just, there's a lot more to it? And if so, like, please, you know, obviously let us know. And, and I mean, like coaching, for example, do you think injuries was more, more so the reason than even the coaching? Like, do you think if they were fully healthy, John Hines wouldn't even be in the equation here? Like, what do you think was really the, the, the biggest crux for the wild this season? Cause for me, I think it's injuries and, and every team has that, you know, every few years where it's just like you get the injury bug and you just kind of have to play with, with what you got and, and, and quite frankly, tread water and survive. But what are your thoughts overall this season? I'll, I'll try to kind of paint it this way is I think there are three players currently on pace to play in a full 82 game season on this roster. That's it. And those wow. three, Jewel Erickson, Brock Faber and Marco Rossi, but <laughs> Everybody else has missed games due to various ailments, whether a bump or a bruise here that leads to one or two games out of the lineup or Jared Spurgeon being out for the season. Uh, I just just go down the list. Jared Spurgeon, Jonas Brodeen, Kirill Kaprizov, Matt Zuccarello, Marcus Foligno, Pat Maroon, Freddie Goudreau, Matt Boldy. Uh, Marcus Johansson, I think, has missed time, too. Yep. It just... Up and down the list, every single player, both goalies, both goalies have missed time this season. And you look at the fact, like I, I was super critical during that one seven and one stretch, but you're basically fielding the Iowa Wild roster at that point in the season. And so it's it's been a huge, it's been a huge hurdle to try to overcome. But we this team has just been Jekyll and Hyde too. Like some nights they come out of the gate blazing, like just beat a team down within the first couple of minutes of a game. And then there are other games where it's like they get a one nothing lead and it just feels like the only way they're going to win the game is if they hold that one nothing lead. Like the moment yeah. the opponent scores the tying goal, 
you know that that go ahead goal is coming relatively soon after. It's just there have been so many just kind of Matt Boldy uses the term passengers throughout this season. They're, Auto they're pilot games, yeah. Yeah, there just have been a bunch of games where big pieces of the lineup are just kind of out there coasting. And, you know, Matt Boldy's a great case study of kind of how this season has gone. Totally. And that's one of my questions, too. So, like, I'm glad you're getting into it. It was like, what do you think? Just like this season, why has Matt Boldy been up and down? Do you think it's because of the injuries, too, where he just hasn't been able to build chemistry with 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 his line mates well i think to i get lost with this a lot is boldy is still for as much as much pressure as is put on him with his contract and with the fact that he is being paid to be one of the leaders of this team he is still 22 years He's old 22 guys yeah i i was hitting the You're bars up when i was 22 like yeah. I was I was going out pretty much every night trying to push all of my major responsibilities as far away as I possibly could. Like at the end of the day the consistency is the part if the consistency is the part that Matt Boldy needs to add to his game, like that's the part that he will develop here over these next couple of years. He's got something like 20 he's got something like 21 or 22 goals since John Hines took over. And since John Hines took over, he's a point per game player. And I looked at this the other day. I think his longest stretch without a point since John Hines took over is like three games. Wow. So he has been since Hines took over. He's been a pretty consistent contributor. And yeah, there are games where he doesn't factor in the scoring. I think we just would love to see that first stretch, those first 19 games where he had just one goal. People would love to see that just kind of spread out a little bit more to maybe, maybe he has something like 16 or 17 goals since Heinz took over and a few more when Dean was here, but he's 22 years old. Like he's, he's been unbelievable since he got put on that top line with Kaprizov and Erickson Eck. And I think that has, I think by being like the third wheel of that line, and I'm saying that not as a diss, but no, like you, we all get you, it. We all get it. When you're on the ice with Kaprizov and Erickson Eck uh, for a majority of your time in the game, you, you got to keep up. Like you got to keep up with what those two do, because those are both freakish skaters and they, their motor never stops. Well, and they just, they, they do, and they perform their assignments to the best out there, right? Like Kaprizov mm -hmm. is one of the best goal scorers and offensive threats in the game. And Erickson Eck is one of the hardest players to play against one-on-one. -on -one, and he is a threat in front of the net, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He and just look at the number of things that Eric Sinek is asked to do by this team. He's so good, dude. One C. He's your net front option on the power play. He is your top defensive forward on the penalty kill. He's your top defensive forward in general. Like he's taking so much damage in front of the net every single night. Cross check to shit. Trying to John create space Hines, in the in the in the crease. John Hines, to his credit, and this is, I think, kind of the. This is, I think, a little bit of the piece of the Freddie Goudreau angle, too. When John Hines came in, like he, I don't know what meetings happened to where it's like, okay, what makes this team tick? 
somebody might have said, you know, Freddie Goudreau is kind of our go-to center in key spots. And he just looked and he said, why wouldn't it be Jewel Erickson Eck? Like, why wouldn't you just have him? Because now, since John Hines took over, he He's takes like every key face off. As he, he plays. should. Yes, he 100% should be the guy. And John Hines is making him that guy. And it's making him better. Yeah. He's so good. He's so like, good. It's dude, like he could potentially like he's on pace to score near 40. Like mm-hmm. if he stays healthy, he's on pace to score 35, 40 goals. And he's going to be in the Selkie running as one of the best defensive players in the league. And he's probably still going to win the athletics most hated player among other players, because for some reason they don't like them. His baby face that we all love. What a shithead out there. I love it. Um, Dude, he is in my. I, I I know Kaprizov is the most valuable player on the team. Like I get it, but without a Yorks and Ek, we're not winning games. Kaprizov will help us stay in games, but you're not going to win games without a player like Joel Eriksson Ek. He he is my MVP this year. Hundred percent. Here's here's the way to spend that. Kaprizov may be the MVP for this team, but Joel Eriksson Ek is the least replaceable player on this team. If you take Joel Eriksson Ek off this team. You're Caprizov going has to score two more goals for you to win a game. A hundred percent. Like you just Erickson Eck is the one that you cannot replace because of the sheer number of things that he does on a nightly basis. Um, let's talk about goaltending for a minute. Should the wild continue down the stretch with Gustafson? Now I know Wallstead is almost ready to move up. I mean, it could be next year. It could be the year after as like, okay, you are part of this team. You're not up and down anymore. Regardless, like he's coming soon. Okay. So the wild are going to be planning around him sooner than later at this point, especially with the positive sample size that we've seen at the AHL level, even with the AHL team, not being that good this year. We know what he is for the most part. The NHL brass knows what he is for the most part. So again, I go back to my question. Do you think Gustafson is going to be part of the Minnesota Wilds plan moving forward as a pair with Wallstedt? Or do you think they should do a complete overhaul of him and Flurry moving forward? I think I'll say tentatively yes on Gustafson because I think the situation with Gus is last year we saw the absolute like top of the line what he is as a goalie like what he can offer you on his best nights night in night out he was insanely good down the stretch and this season I think teams got a little bit of a read on what Gus can do because let's think about this too that last year was Philip Gustafson's first full season run as an NHL starting goalie so teams had film from Okay, teams had film from him playing in front uh, behind the the Ottawa Senators decor. Like mm. uh, that's uh, that's not a great role of film to uh, to pull from. So teams finally got a full book as to Philip Gustafson's tendencies, what makes him tick, where he's strong, and areas where he struggles. And I think we're seeing Gustafson now at the point where it's on him to tweak his game a little bit to counteract what teams are doing to him. We see him give up goals in the same spots pretty consistently. Like it's it's usually it's usually up top. And yeah. you know, if he can find a way to um if he can find a way to 
take that area away. And look, this is this is another part of the equation too. It's hard to change muscle memory in the middle of a season as a goalie. Like as much as you can try to like tweak little things like hey, do this instead of what you're currently doing, like it, it's like trying to change it's like trying to change your golf swing during the middle of a tournament. Yeah. Like you may you may be able to get away with it a little bit, but the moment something starts to go wrong, you revert back to where you were. So I think if Gustafson can figure that out, I think he may not get to fully where he was at last year, but I don't, I don't think there, I don't think it's out of the question for him to, to play a step above what he's done this year for sure. It's just a matter of him making the adjustments to counteract what teams are doing. And so I think in that vein, I think Bill Guerin's going to play patience here. He is somebody who, unless your goalie has your agent go up to him and say, hey, we're unhappy, he is somebody who kind of he errs on the side of patience with a lot of these contracts that he signs. Now, who's to say if, if things kind of fall off the rails next year that if Gustafson's playing well, that maybe you say, all right, we're going to see what we can get, and we're going to give uh, we're going to give Jesper the uh, the full run um, for the rest of the season. That could be a scenario that plays out next year, but I think at this point they keep him, and I think they roll with him in the wall uh, with Gustafson and uh, and the wall next year for that uh, that starting tandem. Yeah, I'm, it, it's not a bad look to have two young goalies come up together, especially with one who has had success and experience in the National Hockey League level. It's just interesting to see if like, if Flurry wants to stay one more year, based on how good he's been playing this year, they're going to give him yeah. that. They're going to give him that. And I think Wallstedt will understand that as well. Like He might be like, oh, well, if Flurry's not here, obviously I'm coming to the NHL, and that's that's where the money's at. That's where I want to be. That's the goal. But uh, if, if, if Flurry wants to play, I think, you know, barring another team offering him money at the wild, a can't pay him or like going to roll their eyes at and be like, come on, dude, like really, yeah. you're going to do that to us. Um, bar, you know, barring the fact that maybe they can get something for him at the trade deadline, which again, I don't know if they're going to go that direction now that they're actually playing well. Right. It seems a little less, um, believable and likely than it was a few weeks ago. I think Gustin at 25 years old, I think people forget that he's still so young as yeah. far as goalie standards go, right? Like I remember when um like when Demko came in with the Vancouver Canucks, he was 24 after like three years of college, right? Like for three or four years of college, you know, and he was still a young guy. Like Gustin is still a young guy. So with Fleury or with Wallstead, whether he's the one A, one B, he's gonna have ups and downs at his age, at his stage in his career this year, I think obviously he didn't start well. And with the wild being up and down with their injuries, their inconsistencies. And at the end of the day, inconsistencies on the back end, on the defensive end, more than anything, like you're going to see goalies probably play worse when there's a revolving door in front of them with yeah. the systems being out the door. And look, I think Mermis has been incredible, mm -hmm. but like when Mermis is in and out of the lineup, when Merrill is still in the lineup somehow, even though I have no idea why or how he should be, and Hoppy and Z were even talking about, I don't know if you heard this, they were like, do you think he knows 
how bad he is right now? Like, do you think he actually knows? Like, he's out there and he's like, for fuck's sakes, why are they still putting me out here right now? Like, do you think, which is, it's kind of fucked up, but a hilarious thing to like talk about. Every and time. Golagos- and Golagoski too. Like, what the fuck is he doing out there right now too? So yeah. every so time he sees the lineup card, Merrill is just like, why, why are you doing this to your team? Please. And it sucks because Merrill seems like such a good guy, but it's oh, just, for sure. Man, you're so bad right now. But like, anyway, that's, that's a thing. That's a thing that kind of gets forgotten too, is like, we may bash, we may, we may criticize players. It's never, it's never personal. No, it's like, it's just, know? But they're, you, here's they're the thing. pawns, king, queens, you know, knights yeah. in the game that we that we cover at the end of the day, right? Exactly. Um, here's another like let's say Flurry does decide to come back for one more go. I don't think by going with Flurry and Gustafson for another year, that doesn't change anything for Jesper. Like that just no. that just means that they give him another season to kind of further develop further season himself like he's still the guy and so yeah, you if get flurry, five if flurry, extra starts this year six extra starts whatever yeah if flurry does end up coming back honestly with with what he has shown that he still has like i'm not gonna I'm get okay with upset. it yeah no, i'm okay with it it's gonna be a one-year deal he knows that he ain't gonna ask for three years like ryan reeves uh, I know everyone is so not a fan of Ryan Reeves, but I fucking love the guy. He's the Toronto All-Star, Seth. And absolutely he was he was a vibe when he was here. Like <laughs> that he was. That he was. It was one of those situations too where you kind of look and you're like you look at his and he's by he's by no means a points guy. But you like look and, at until, his unless Kaprizov's out on injury, then he's a goal scoring guy. Yeah, then he goes nuts. But it was one of those situations like you look at his numbers and you look at some of the underlying stuff and you're like, this shouldn't work. And him being in the lineup, like it just completely changed the the outcome of of last regular season. Vibes per sixty, man. Off Look at charts. Kuzmenko joins the Calgary Flames, scores a little bit, but he brought some vibes to the group. Right? Like he's 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 a vibes player more than anything because he's not the fastest skater out there. He's got hands and vibes and crazy fucking hair. Sometimes it's sports work in weird ways. Like sometimes all it takes is a team seeing their general manager say, Hey, I still believe in you guys to get him going. Yeah. Like simple things. It doesn't even necessarily have to be like a, a number one guy. It just takes like a, hey, we're going to get somebody to come in and kind of help shake things up. And they I just go on a run. I can just imagine if Bruce was still with the team or when he was with the team. Boys, I ran. A, uh, I walked. I walked a couple extra miles tonight and I skipped the hog and dogs for dinner. And the boys, yeah, let's go, Bruce. <laughs> let's fucking go. And just getting ready. <laughs> I skipped the hog and dogs for dessert. Let's go, boys. Like little things, man. The little things. Um, let's <laughs> let's talk some prospects here for a bit before uh, I let you go. Um, because we'll we'll have more to talk about once we get closer and closer to the playoffs. And Seth is going to join us uh, a few more times before the playoffs here, ladies and gentlemen, down this stretch. But I know that you've been covering both of these players in particular on your YouTube channel, so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about them here. Wild prospect Danila Yurov breaks Val- Vladimir Tarasenko's KHL record, 48 points as a player, 21 years and under. Do you think he joins the Wild next season, or do you think he marinates one year, 
maybe another two-year extension with uh, with his current KHL team as they've actually started to play him and use him this year where he dominated. Yeah, it's th- this is this is a fascinating one because I've I've seen a lot of people who suggest like is he be is he better served to continue to play in the KHL and just continue to develop there or to come to Iowa and play there before getting thrown into the regular lineup. Honestly, at this point, like if he is continuing to be like a top dog in the KHL and he wants to sign one more season because the other the other part of it too is they're able to offer him a ton more money there than he would get here. Oh yeah, because in oh. Iowa he's making obviously under a million dollars. In the KHL, yeah. he he's probably making like one point five or something. Like, let's be honest, maybe so even honestly, more. Like if he wants to go get his bag for one more year and just terrorize the the KHL, the Wild are probably going to do exactly with him what they are likely to do with who's Nadinov. Just burn a year of the ELC and get him right up. Like yeah. I think once he comes here. I think he will just go straight to to the wild. Yeah. Cause it's like, what, what do you really have to, I I can see if in even next year though, you're saying like, even if in like beginning of the year, like, I mean, obviously like he'll have to come through training camp camp and whatnot and earn his spot. But you think like the intention will be like, no, no, we, we want him on this team. So if the, so the KHL season, let's say he does sign one more year in the KHL. If I have it correct, like the season is ending basically now. If you don't, the make season's the over. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, for example, like Marat's done. So, like yep. Marat could come over. Like we could hear about it in a couple of days, where it's like Marat's coming over and he's signing with the Wild. But Eurovs, they make they they made the playoffs. So then that's you know yeah. Sochi didn't yeah. season two. Okay. Sochi's been horrible. That's why Marat's points kind of took a little bit of a dive. <laughs> yeah, they're they are real. I think they're in like bottom three in the KHL, whereas like oh, yeah. Eurovs teams in the top three. Yeah. So I if he wants if he wants to sign with the KHL, get money one more season, I'm fine with that. Because you, you look at this roster right now, you don't ha- you have a couple of spots that are maybe opening up, but now you've got one that you're gonna give to Huznadinov. Your top six is pretty rigid at this point. It seems like this is kind of playing out for him to be the natural successor for Marcus Johansson. Because Johansson comes off the books after next season, feels like feels why like why resign him? Yeah, like why 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 throw money at him when you have prospects in in Russia and or in the OHL, WHL, and in Iowa? Yeah, it just it feels like kind of the natural succession point is for Yurov to just take that roster spot. You'll have Huznadinov eating another one. Beyond that, there are maybe going to be what the Deweys. And, you know, you maybe have a couple spots in your fourth line and maybe one other roster spot in your lineup to fill. And so let they, him... get, they have to get rid of Goudreau. Like, I'm <sighs> sorry. Like, like, like who's Nadinov has like his spot is Goudreau's spot. He, he yeah. has to be that third line center. Have you ever seen a contract extension given out based on the premise that the previous coach played him? higher up in the lineup than he probably should have been played because that's exactly what happened here. Heinz came in and he's I mean, like, I mean, I oh. hate, I hate, I mean, I hate to say it, but like, like Felino almost, <laughs> I mean, like Heinz came in and was like, Oh, 
no, no, yeah. we're not going to put you in the top six. Like you're a third or a fourth line guy. And to his credit, Goudreau has not. Pl- I don't think Goudreau has been elevated once, save injury, since Hines took over. I think it's been third or fourth line pretty much the entire season. And he's going from 18 or 19 minutes a night under Dean to like 12 or 13 minutes a night under John Hines. It's pretty clear that he just is not like a, a huge part of the equation. Under Hines, he's like just a guy at this point. We got four more years of it. I think still, though, based off his last two seasons of the Wild before here, I still think they could swindle something for. Like, I still think teams will be interested interested in him because he had th- over thirty and over forty points, right? The last two seasons. So, like, I'm sure, like, they could get rid of him. It's just like who who's gonna who's gonna be the dancing partner? But regardless, sorry, sorry, I brought that up and kind of interjected. It's just like they if if Marat is going to come into this lineup this year or next, he has to go because if it's yep. not him, I'm sorry, it's it's Felino. Because the the Dewey's aside, their fourth line. Murat mm-hmm. is not a fourth line guy. If anything, he is a top six guy. But you know, his first year in the third line in an offensive role will be fine. And it feels to me like that's a real good spot because Rossi's line partners have been pretty inconsistent. I know he's working with Lucini and Letary right now because they grind, they battle, and that kind of is, I guess, the fit yeah. at this point. Murat- Felino, Rossi, let's fucking go, dude. It feels like Murat is a perfect line pairing, line mate for Rossi. Just two young guys that have some good offense. And just one, and one bigger guy or, or a more tenacious guy, like either Felino or Hartman. I don't care who. Someone who can create space or who can just be that veteran and, like I said, more tenacious guy in the lineup. That's yeah. perfect for them. Now, I know oh, Murat's right. smaller as well, so like that's why they just need someone a little like who can create space or who can just take that proverbial uh, damage. But um, no, I like yeah, I, I'm so excited to see Murat in the NHL. Like I'm excited to see you off too. Don't get me wrong, but like Murat, I feel like I feel like it's closer. I feel like he's going to be in North America before you're off, and it could be this year, which is crazy. Yeah. And it's it's the sign. We've we've talked about these guys a lot that there is this wave of prospects that is going to come here and be able to help inject some much needed skill into this lineup. And Murat is the he's the first domino. So that is the okay, he's here. That means more guys are on the way, which is I think what everybody has been hoping for over these last couple of seasons. You know, this this lineup got locked in pretty pretty concretely. There is always a need for more skill. And so to be able to inject these guys in gradually to fill key spots, that's that's what we well, hope for. Riley Height in the WHL is forcing him to oh, do that right now. Just He is. He unreal. is forcing Billy Guerin to make, make a spot available for him because, I'm sorry, this guy's going to come into the AHL and in five games, they're going to be like, oh, fuck, yeah, this guy's ready for he's gonna the have NHL, the, dude. He's going to have the boldy... The boldy yeah, um, exactly. Where it's yep. like, why do we? Why are we playing this guy here? He scored nine goals in four games. Like he's not going to be served getting AHL time. Like he's just ready. Oh, look at that! Hundred and one points at the end of the weekend. Hundred and one points, thirty-two goals in fifty-six games, ladies and gentlemen. I know we haven't seen a ton of Judd Brackett's work yet, but I'm. This might be one of the best that we've ever seen, or that we've seen his, so far. This is Riley Height feels like his like 
his opus, like his like his this is <laughs> this is Judd Brackett cooking. Is well, okay, so Tarek uh, Para- how do you say his last name? Parasak, the seventeen-year-old who is going to be drafted now in the first round this year. His family and I was telling Z this better be buying height Ford Raptors for that Prince George Snow or Tesla because this guy is the reason that their son is going to be drafted first, you know, in the first round. Because like again, seventeen years old, fifty-eight games played on Heights line. 34 goals, 84 points as a oh my rookie God. in the WHL. Now he's going to be like, he he's Riley Hyde is the reason he's going to be drafted in the first round. Yeah. Thank you for all the primary assists on all of my goals. <laughs> Dude. Unbelievable. That's what I'm saying. Like the parents got to buy him like a nice sports car. If he's going to play one more year again, somewhere nicer than Prince George. Or if, uh, if he comes to Minnesota, they got to give him like a nice hundred thousand dollar truck because a little thank you card. That's all you need. Oh, I mean, because like he's responsible for those for their kids' signing bonus. Just, just insane. Like I, I saw the tweet over the weekend where they said, "And Riley Height has uh, already equaled his point total from last season." I'm like, uh, what now?" That's crazy. And there's still what twenty five yeah. more games in the dub season. Just insane. Unreal, dude. Unbelievable. Yeah. So I mean, from the tone of your voice, you're 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 high on Riley Height and you're excited to to see him come over to or come up, I should say. I I wasn't a huge fan of the Stramel pick. I since I understand why the Wild went that route because he was somebody this is how this is how NHL drafts work. This is how drafts work. He was somebody that the Wild had identified that they wanted that was going to fall somewhere between their pick in the first round and their pick in the second round. And so rather than risk him going off the board, they made that selection and not not a huge positive reaction to that pick. But then Judd Brackett goes and gets Riley Height in the second round. And it's like, oh, okay, sorry, I doubted because that was just an absurd steal. Yeah, he's. It's truly amazing to watch him play. Like he's one of the best players in the OH or in the WHL right now. Outside of that one kid who's going to be drafted in twenty twenty six, who's already at like ninety some points, and he's seventeen. But uh, unbelievable, yeah. The, the the projected first overall for twenty twenty six. I just I just looked him up yesterday. I forget his name off the top of my head, but like yeah, ninety six points already, and he's seven. He just turned seventeen. He was I think he was like a underager or Jeez. exceptional status or whatever. But yeah. And the dub doesn't allow exceptional status for just anyone. Like Savoy applied and didn't get it. The so Savoy, the, the kid in Buffalo. But um, this kid must have got it because he played most of the year as a 16-year-old and he's 96 points in 58 games. That's 96 more points than I ever had. Dude, unreal. Like he's putting up Bedard numbers already. It's nuts. And he's, yeah, we got two more years of this kid to cook in junior hockey in Canada. It's nuts. It is nuts. All right, Seth, before I let you go here, and this has been awesome, like the time just flies whenever we're uh, talking hockey and just hanging out together, buddy. So I I really appreciate it as always. And I look forward to to more of these hits uh, in the future down the road. I mean, soon as we get close to potential playoff appearance here at the Minnesota Wild and just NHL playoffs in general, as I know you and I are going to be glued to our TVs when that begins. But before we wrap up here, what are three key things that the Wild have to keep doing correctly or correct to make the playoffs and have success the rest of the season? Uh, Number one for me is to just identify kind of what you're 
your second, third, and fourth lines are. You know, we we've we saw a pretty good effort from the second line of Zuccarello, Johansson, and Hartman against the Kraken. Whatever your combination ends up to be the counterpunch to Kaprizov, Boldy, and Erickson Eck, identify it and get them going. Because, you know, you can win in the regular season with one line doing the work. But when you get to the postseason, your opponent's going to throw every single thing that they have at that line and are going to try to key in on the others. So if the wild and it doesn't have to be the second line every night, but let's just kind of let's just kind of sort out these line combinations and try to get something that works between two, three and four that can counterpunch what um, what the top line is doing. I haven't come up with a good name for them yet, but we'll just call them the wreckers. There you go. The wrecker the reckon, line, the wrecker line, the wrecking balls, the 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 demolition, the demolition crew, something like that. I'll workshop that. Um, so that's number one on my list. Number two is, I just would like to see the goal combo, the goalie combo. Um, just work on trying to avoid, you know, shore up some of those areas in which they've given up what we would consider soft goals. You don't need you, this. This wild team doesn't need Vesna caliber goalie play. They just need enough. They they mm-hmm. got great goalie play against Edmonton, and I thought Flurry was really good against the Kraken too. If you can get some of that and just kind of clean things up, like those leaky five hole goals. I know you're going to get the weird puck luck goals every now and again, but if they can just keep it rolling and avoid those nights where they just get completely like just just overmatched overwhelmed um that'll be key and i looked at the special teams earlier today the wild are like seventh in the nhl since 2024 started with their power play love that keep that group going but the fact that the penalty kills at like 78.8 percent in the same span is also encouraging because uh, again the demons always come out in the postseason. Yeah. We've seen it the last two years. We saw it against St. Louis. We saw it against Dallas. If you don't have a good penalty kill, they're going to eat you alive. So if the Wilds can just, and I, that's probably a super cliche answer, but if the Wilds can just keep consistency, the thing that we haven't really seen this season, consistency, you're not going to win every game down the stretch. Consistency being ready to go for these games as opposed to falling behind one or two to nothing within the first six minutes of a game. Like we, we just want to see like, Hey, we're ready for the dance. We, people want to believe that this team is, is capable of getting to the postseason. So just show it, just show it, just, just do the thing. And, uh, it, it's going to be a crazy last couple months of the season. If they get Vancouver, man, I am just going to be smitten. <laughs> I'm just going to be smitten, Seth. Man, this has been amazing. Like, I have a few, I had a few other things of note, but we, we covered everything that we needed to cover. And this is just an excuse for me to bring you back on very, very soon, my man. I know all of our listeners love when you join us here. Love when we feature Seth Topol on the show. And I just really appreciate both hanging out before I click the record button, catching up and uh, and talking puck with you, my friend. It's it's an absolute pleasure. Every single time we bring you on the Soda Pod here. And like I said, I'm just so happy to see uh, everything that you're working on continue to grow and blow up. And speaking of all of that, 
that. Since we're out of time, uh, let us know where everyone can find you so they can consume more of your content, my friend. The beautiful part is all you have to do is search Locked on Wild and you're going to find the whole arsenal. You're going to find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all those main podcast networks. You can find us at every single one of those. As Isha mentioned, the YouTube channel continues to uh, continues to just climb and climb. So you can find us there for live postcasts. We're starting to do some live episodes throughout the week as well. And uh, yeah, just continuing to try to stay on top of the content machine that is locked on wild and trying to stay afloat in what has just been a crazy NHL season. Uh, Isha, do you guys? Cheers on uh, as I go now to my flavored water because I don't have a seltzer near me. <laughs> Cheers to getting to a thousand subs hey, on thank YouTube. You, um, you guys have been OGs since the first time that I stepped into the hockey realm. First, as somebody that had no idea what I was doing and was very unsure of myself. And now to get to this point, like we just continue to play the hits and uh, continue to have a lot of fun doing it. I love it, man. Like I said, you're you're one of my you're one of my favorites in the community. You're one of my good friends outside of just like you know content creator face. And uh, I look forward to more collaborations with Locked On Wild as we continue to roll on through the end of this season into Knock On Wood the playoffs and uh, and this postseason, my friend. As I know you continue to grind in the summer just like us. As always, Seth, the keys to the castle are yours, my friend. And I look forward to uh, to shooting the shit with you again here very very soon. Appreciate it, man. Big thanks to Seth again. That was amazing. That was a lot of fun. There we go, ladies and gentlemen. I know the last couple of weeks we've stayed in the realm of hockey. We stayed in the realm of NHL, but we, we need to get our wild fix scratched, right? And I know the soda pod here is a little bit different now. Hoppy helping out Joe Smith. So go check out that show if you haven't already, ladies and gentlemen. First episode with Oliver Moore dropped last week. This week, Jimmy Snuggerud on the show, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be another awesome podcast don't forget to tune into mncaa all week as well as judd's buds live every wednesday 6 30 p.m central on our youtube channel so the soda pod and thank you to everybody who helped us get to 1000 subscribers on our soda pod youtube channel seriously you guys are all amazing we appreciate you all and now that we reach that milestone we're we're going to keep our foot on the gas ladies and gentlemen continue to grow continue to host live shows and more so subscribe to the youtube channel if you haven't already now we can actually pay z for his hard work <laughs> Oh my goodness. All right, guys, that is it for the show. Big shout out to Seth Topol. Again, MNCAA dropping this week. Judd's Buds, Fellowship of the Rinks with the Athletics, Joe Smith. Subscribe to the YouTube channel and go check out Seth's work at Locked on Wild again. If you're tuning in on Google, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from, please rate and review. That is the best thing you can do today, this week in your life. Ladies and gentlemen, five stars, kind review. Let me know if you've been to the breweries that we talked about in the soda, in the hoppy hour segment of the show and comment on YouTube or let us know how you like the new hoppy hour segment as we're going to continue to do these moving forward. Appreciate all your guys' support. 
You can find me on Twitter at VS Sports Talk. You can find the Soda Pod on Twitter at Soda Pod. Not the Soda Pod anymore on Twitter because of those damn hackers at Soda Pod, but everywhere else on social at the Soda Pod. Signing off, I'm Isha Jerome alongside Seth Topol for this one and my good friend Joe. This has been the Soda Pod presented by Better Edge 7th Avenue Pizza, Northland Vodka, and Waggle Golf. Don't fear, just drink some beer and stay wild.